Hey Mags, this is Marion and you're listening to Mags Moments, a podcast about all things related to entrepreneurship, millennials, business, and pop culture. This is episode number 28. Happy Wednesday, everyone. I am feeling really, really good this week. I don't know why I'm in a, a super good mood, feeling very cheery. So I hope you guys are all on the same wavelength. I hope that despite the fact that we've been indoors for what is it like two Oh my gosh, I think we're almost on like month three, uh, that everybody's just finding really good ways to be at peace, to find happiness, and to kind of create a sense of normalcy. Um, I hope you guys also had a chance to listen to last week's episode, episode 27, um, featuring my friend Charnel. She talks a whole lot about establishing and creating a vision, what to do when your goals and your vision have to change due to life circumstances or a pandemic um, and being able to find a good balance for yourself. So whether that is not being entirely productive, but finding some means of doing something along the week or being your most productive self during a time like this, uh, she shares a lot of really good tidbits. So I recommend that you guys go give that a listen, episode number 27. And I'm super excited about this week's episode. Um, we are joined by Lindsay, who actually owns her own business, which is focused on empowering um, young girls through conversation and just positive affirmations. And we have a really, really great discussion about, again, empowering the future and unlearning some of the behavior that we um, as older adults have learned um, and how to kind of just make a better future for ourselves. So without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. I would like to welcome Lindsay to today's Meg's Moments episode. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lindsay. I'm really excited. I'm excited to be on it. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, Lindsay. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, uh, your business venture, and just a quick overview of what it is you do. Sure. So my name is Lindsay, and uh, I live in Vancouver, Canada, um, Vancouver, British Columbia. And basically, all day, every day, I um, I work on my company, work with my company called Bold New Girls. And it's a company that really merges my two loves. So I was really passionate about education and learning, but also passionate about personal growth. And so I merged those two ideas together, and I wanted to offer that to girls. So basically every day I work one-on-one with girls and we either do school support or we focus on just herself, how she's feeling, how she's doing, how she's managing, you know, growing up a girl, uh, as a girl in today's world. And as an extension of that, I have branched out into working with parents as well and um, just really supporting in all the ways that I can. And so you're really focused on making sure that girls, no matter what, are empowered and feel uplifted. And you're you're really working towards not only kind of helping them, but training their support systems around them to make sure that they can help them in their development and growth as well. That's right. And I think I was very intentional about that title, Bold New Girls, because that says it all, really. Bold. We want girls to be confident and to have self-belief and that inner sense of strength and security, but also new because I find so many girls I work with are very stuck on either who they were or their mistakes or their failures. And I really want them to embrace this idea of every day is this fresh opportunity to let that go, move forward and really create what you want. So I think they're, they're valuable lessons, right? Even in the, in the company name. 
So uh, you're talking about wanting to help girls, wanting to empower girls, wanting to help develop bold girls. What was your childhood like? What kind of girl were you like growing up? What were you into? What subjects did you enjoy? Activities did you like to do? Yeah, I always tell girls I was a weirdo child. <laughs> I was uh, unique from the beginning, but I, I grew up in a house that was really busy and I have three brothers. And so I think just really naturally, they often wanted to do things that didn't necessarily interest me. So they were wrestling on the trampoline, they were uh, playing video games, building robots. And I, I did feel somewhat excluded. And I think the positive spin of that is I had a lot of time on my own, which I really loved. Like I'm more an introvert than, than I think people know. And that for me was this amazing opportunity to just focus on creation. If you saw me as a child, if we rewound time, you would see that every single day I was working on something, whether that was creating, I don't know, a game like bank and just designing the money and creating my fake customers or McDonald's drive through or whatever it was, I was always in creation mode. And I think that now I can look back and say, wow, like that was really good training for what I do now. I'm always creating, but as a child, I had an idea I worked on it really, really hard all day. And by the end of the day, I had made it. And I think I tapped into that feeling of, wow, hard work, productivity, job done. Like that feels so good. And I just kept doing it. So, you know, it wasn't the best that they, that they excluded me and that, you know, I wasn't involved in the boys club, but at the same time, I think I loved it. And as I grew, I started to include girls into that. And just, I think, I think, then I developed leadership skills. Hey, I have an idea, I have a vision, let's work on it together. And I would sometimes be called bossy, but I like to call it a delegator and just really convince them that the idea was worth their time and we played together. So now I can look back and say, wow, those are pretty good lessons of creativity and imagination. And I don't know, I think it was pretty fun in lots of ways. Like I remember really enjoying my childhood and being, I was really into school and I was also yeah. really into music and um, like band and choir and also sports. So I think I was pretty balanced in that respect. Yeah, I was going to say you sounded like you were pretty well-rounded. So how did that, I guess, ultimately affect you come post-secondary time? Uh, what did you decide to go to school for? What did you decide to do? Yeah, I always loved school. Like I loved every part of it. I think I started school without being in school. Like I was probably three or four getting ready for kindergarten. Like already I was just like, yes, mom, give me homework. I'll do anything. <laughs> and I think as I, as I entered elementary school, I just loved the system of school, the rules, the routines, and every year guaranteed I was the teacher's pet. I was the one helping the teacher and, and then asking the teacher if I could have handouts and I would come home and I would create my own little classroom and use the handouts and teach my little brother. And like, I think I was just so passionate about learning. And as I grew up, I mean, I put a lot of time into school. I worked really hard in high school. And then in university, I went to SFU, but I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to do. So I remember taking a little bit of everything. So like a lot of the philosophy courses and psychology and English. And after a couple of years, I kind of fell into English. That wasn't necessarily mm -hmm. my passion, but it just made sense, right? I knew I wanted to go into education, but I didn't take a lot of those courses. I, I was just kind of, um, I guess, getting a well-rounded education. But then yeah. I got into my master's program and that was all education. And I think that clicked for me that, oh, this is learning. It was so fun. Like, I can't tell you how much I love this program. And that was really balanced too, right? It was a, a combination of 
of curriculum development and counseling and leadership skills. And I think it could, I couldn't have asked for a better fit master's program. It was, and it was in San Diego, which didn't hurt. Oh, I know. Well, that, doesn't, that doesn't sound terrible, nice and warm. It was so beautiful. And the teachers were so relaxed, right? So just, you know, do your homework, but go to the beach first, they would tell us. I'm like, what? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Okay, sure. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty good. Yeah, okay, awesome. And so then after that, um, obviously, education in education. Yeah. Did you become a teacher? What did you decide to pursue there on after? Well, here's the other thing that I think goes back to my childhood. Probably. I, I just wanted to do it differently. If, if I imagined what it would be like into a, uh, being in a classroom, having that nine to five kind of in the box experience that didn't, wasn't working for me. So I started to struggle with, well, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be a public high school teacher, elementary school teacher, what can I do that's still teaching and, you know, really rooted in, in education, which I was passionate about and passionate about that was, was different. And this is another weird experience. I was in a choir, a gospel choir, and I just heard someone talking about this, this job she had where it was one-on-one -on -one teaching and they were hiring. And I, I wasn't particularly bold or assertive at the time, but I remember going, remember going right up to her and saying, can you tell me more about your job? That sounds really interesting to me. And she did. And I kid you not, within a week, I went to the job, had the interview, got the job. I was just finishing my master's, but that was another perfect fit because it really was, yeah, I know it was so, I guess, um, synchronized or so meant to be, but um, like one-on-one, -on -one, we were just talking to kids all day and helping them learn. And that's exactly what I do now, but I didn't know that I love it that much. It was amazing. That's great. So then um, I guess you worked there for a bit. At what point did it kind of click in your head um, that it was time to start Bold New Girls? What yes. was your aha moment? So it wasn't a bit that I was working there, Marion. It was 14 years. <laughs> it was a very, yeah. like a big investment. And I think it was such great training ground to learn skills and to learn how to connect, to learn about all different kinds of kids, right? All different ages and lots of challenges that you have to work through to understand them, to, you know, convince them to learn and, and to pay attention and whatnot. So then around year, I want to say around year 12, I started to feel so unhappy. So mm. it really, I think all the changes and, and the moves really were, were rooted in this, something's not right now. Like I've been here a long time. I was probably feeling restless. And then I started to feel trapped. So is this it? Is this my life? I felt like I was living someone else's dream. I felt like I could do better. I felt there was more in me. And I imagined the next five years at this place and it made me feel awful. Like I just, I was kind of hopeless, I think at that point, because I didn't know where to go and I didn't mm -hmm. have the most confidence. So I believed this was maybe as good as it gets. But then there was this little voice inside of me kind of poking and prodding every day. It was relentless and just, you know, try it, do it. What about your dreams, Lindsay? And I just, you know, you push it away because we get so um, comfortable, I think. And like really practically speaking, it's a paycheck and I had bills and I needed, mm -hmm. I needed the security of that. And I just, I didn't know where to go or what to do. So it wasn't really a moment for me. It was about two years of struggling. And I do remember the voice got louder and stronger. And I do remember at one point I had had enough, basically. I, I just, it was 
too much and I just, I didn't want it. This was not the life that I wanted and I didn't know what to do. So I, I remember coming home and creating this binder, this binder of blank sheets of paper. And I just thought, okay, Lindsay, you're not going to do this thing called your own company because that's what I really wanted to do and just girls and just like empowerment in school. So I started to create almost like a fake company. I was like, you know what? I'll work on it every night. I'll write down my vision and my goals and my ideal customer. And I'll even create business cards, a website, everything. So for two years, I worked on this company, but I kept telling myself, but it won't happen. But you know what? Just enjoy it. Enjoy the journey. It was such a nice escape for me. And I think it started to build my confidence. And I'm going to make this sound simple. It was kind of more complicated, but at the end of those two years and with this, um, this opportunity or really the two years to save the money that I needed to make the transition. I just went for it with no clients, just this binder of ideas. I just Mm -hmm. decided, you know what, just one client and, and it worked. I mean, it took a lot. It's probably one of, you know, probably the most brave thing I've ever done. And I swear the day, the day that I quit, I felt relieved and healthy and happy and oh my gosh, free. Yeah. And I got a client and then a week later I got two clients. Well, then I had three and it's just built from there. So that's amazing. Best, best thing I've ever done in my life. Best thing. Is, wow. So just kind of planning and thinking and then launching. But now that you reflect yeah. on it, like, do you think, that the timing worked out perfectly. I think there are some people who are just like, again, you mentioned you were kind of um, sitting on this for two years. Do you Mm -hmm. think if you had done it any earlier, any later, you would have maybe missed your chance? You would have missed the time? Like, was this done, was this the right time? That's a really good question. Yeah, Yeah. so I think I, I did everything kind of right in that sense. I got all the training, all the skill development. I got, um, I gained in confidence uh, with this job. And I think I tried, I tried so hard, Marion, to make it work. So I thought, mm. you know, maybe I'll redesign my, my job in this current job, right? Because if I make it better or I make it, you know, maybe more like me, then I can kind of have a company within this company. That's what I was thinking. But I wasn't necessarily supported in, the, in these decisions. So I did try everything. I tried to do side jobs to, to make life more interesting. But I think, yeah, I think it was the perfect time. I just, again, I saved the money. So I had a little bit of financial security. I had the binder full of ideas. I had talked to people and asked, you know, their thoughts and and done quite a bit of research. I don't think there's such thing as, you know, did I miss my chance? Like had I waited another year, I think it would have worked out too. But I think Mm -hmm. I just, it's that voice, that voice just wouldn't stop. And honestly, I, now I remember physically I wasn't doing well. So I remember I wasn't sleeping and I had, I'd broken out in a rash and hives. And I was like, this is just a sign. Like this is not working. It's causing me so much stress to stay. I have no choice but to leave and just to go for it. Like what's the worst that could happen? I thought, well, I have no job, but I'll, I'll find my way. You know, Starbucks was my backup plan. It wasn't a bad, <laughs> it wasn't a bad backup. So, yeah. So I think the timing was just right for me and a lot of, you know, trusting your gut and listening to that voice and intuition and all of that good stuff. Yeah. Well, kudos to you for taking the big leap. That is a Thank pretty you. big deal at any point when you decide to start a business. So um, again, you 
mentioned all of this time you were planning, kind of getting yourself prepped, um, and you'd been working in education already. Why mm-hmm. did you decide to focus on this particular demographic? Because essentially every and anybody is involved in some type of educational process. Why did you decide, okay, girls is, is, is who is the group that I will focus on? Yeah, I think, I mean, maybe these 14 years really gave me that opportunity to have a lot of conversations with them. And, you know, I like boys too. Like I loved all of my students for all different reasons, but I think with girls, I probably tapped into this. Um, <laughs> I probably connected a lot with them. They just seemed so unconfident. Mm-hmm. There was such a need. So they were so stressed, so worried, so um, insecure and uncertain. And I could hear it in their language. But I think, you know, if we get to the heart of it, I probably saw myself in them. That was me. I never believed in myself. I never felt I was good enough, smart enough, pretty enough. And so you hear that back to you. It's reflecting back, you know, um, some of your pain and some of your struggles. And I think I just, that deepened my passion. It's like, well, what if I help them? And then they didn't have to go through as much of the struggle as I went through. What if I started early empowering them and really practically, I think I'm a really practical person. Like we can talk about it, but what is it? What are the words that you need to be speaking? The actions that you need to be taking every day to grow yourself, to develop yourself, to feel good, to set boundaries with people that aren't Mm -hmm. healthy for us, to let mean friends go, to design your dreams. Like I'm really hands-on and practical and I'm really proud of that because I think that's what girls need. The conversation is the starting point, but then what? Be more confident. What does that mean to a little girl? Okay. And it doesn't mean smile and just sit there. It means, come on, take action. And so I think that I probably just kind of, it, it was my heart. It was like, wow, that, yeah, I struggled with that too. So they had all my empathy and understanding. But, you know, what can we do about it? Instead of repeating these, um, these patterns and these, you know, growing unconfident, uncertain girls, I wanted to do something really positive and proactive and a lot of times preventative. You know, these girls are little. They can be six, seven, eight. If you have a confident eight-year-old, that sets her up for quite a different life story than right. than an unconfident eight-year-old it's true that that is a game changer right can be yeah yeah so um pretty big deal you've written two books <laughs> yeah. two thank you that is huge <laughs> a lot you. of people don't even have the courage to write one so tell us a little bit of, about both of them and why you felt confident enough to write them because sometimes people feel like they need to be um, I don't know, you got to be like Steve Jobs or something to like right. finally write a book about a topic or have a PhD in a topic to, to write about it. Why did you right. feel confident enough to uh, go forth and write both of these books? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, the, first, the first one I wrote is called Growing Strong Girls. And it's really for parents of preteens or the tween um, demographic. And it's really, I mean, I explore gosh, about 28 topics when it, when it, where it comes to girlhood. And the point of the book was really to give parents as, me, as much information about what it's like to be a girl. So whether we're talking about body image or, or BFFs and uh, girl drama, to give them that information. And also, again, the ideas. So this is what you can do together. Or the conversation starters. Here's how you could talk to her about this. And so I really wanted, it's called practical tools for cultivating connection. So I wanted to really focus on the relationship and how valuable that is 
to a girl, whether it's with mom or dad or an aunt or a family friend, it doesn't matter. Relationship is everything. So that's the foundation. And then to give them the ideas for how to continue to grow their relationship as she grows. Um, the second one is similar and different, but it's called Rooted, Resilient, and Ready. And it's really for parents of teenage girls. So I felt somewhat responsible to, to keep going with the, the age group. And um, it's really about, I'd say periphery parenting is, is the main idea. So being able to recognize that girls need to start doing more on their own. So in the book, I call it standing in the center of their own circle. And by that, I mean building up her own inner strength and confidence and security. Um, not on her own, though. So, yes, she has to make more choices on her own, and she's going to make more mistakes, and that's what girls want. But being able to have parents be there, but on the periphery. So assuring them, helping them, still guiding them, still being an active parent, but doing less so she has more time and space to grow. And so this one has less chapters and we go a little bit more deep into really important topics like body image again, um, mental health, I call it healthy minds, social media for sure, relationships. And I end with a chapter on the future. So it's really setting girls up for what they'll need to move forward. And um, to be honest, that's funny you ask, how, where did you get the confidence? I had no confidence for growing strong girls, none, <laughs> like zero. But I was, I was really focusing for a season of my life on what it means to be strong. And I remember thinking part of being strong is taking risks and being brave and just asking. And so one day I just asked a publisher, would you be interested in this idea? But it wasn't necessarily a confident email. It was more just like, you know, I'm doing one thing a day to be brave. Yay, I did it. But I got an email back. And I got a yes, like a very strong yes. And I think that gave me a little bit of confidence. But the whole time writing this book, I was very, very scared and very uncertain. And I think just like you said about, you know, people don't have the courage because they feel like they have to be someone and they have to have a reputation. I doubted myself every day. So tons of tears, tons of stress, tons of worry. But when it was done, I think I, I was pretty proud of it. And I think Rooted, Resilient, and Ready was way different because I had all the confidence and said, okay, now, now I know things. Now I, I don't want to say proved myself, but I've done it before. So it was way easier to write, uh, much more enjoyable. And I had so much confidence. It, I think my language changed a lot instead of, will this book be interesting? It, it was more, how will I make this book interesting? How will I make this book different? I know I have something to offer. What's the best way to show what I have? And it really gave me an opportunity to affirm my confidence. But they were completely different experiences. Yeah. As I had no, no confidence as a writer, as a human being, as anything. And then now it, it's so different. So it shows me how much I've grown in a couple of years, right? Yeah, so book number two was, or I guess book number one was kind of you getting out of your own way, and then book number two was you being like, okay, we've we, we are flying now. Here's what we're gonna we're gonna do on in terms of writing words on pages. That's a great reframe, exactly. That's amazing. So, again, you've you've addressed um, a lot about helping girls kind of perceive themselves in a particular way, and then the involvement of parents. Mm -hmm. How would you say that your own relationship with your parents kind of affected your desire to write these books and the perspective that you bring to the books? 
I think I've done a lot of personal work on that relationship because it has, it hasn't been easy. So I think if I look back in childhood and I was on my own creating, imagining, but I think it was also a response to something that was missing. So they weren't necessarily there. I would say no fault of their own. They were really busy. There was four of us and they had full-time jobs and they have their own, their own issues that they were working through. But I think that there was definitely a lack of that attention, that um, person to talk to, the validation, the encouragement. So I was, I was quite a great child. I was, you know, I was very good. I was well-behaved and I did well at school and I worked hard and I really was, I want to say perfect quote unquote in, um, in so many ways. And that's exactly what I tried to be. So if I'm mm-hmm. perfect, then they'll love me. And I think in, in lots of ways that is, that is driven by this sense of not good enough. So it's like proving, 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 you know, trying to get their attention, not getting it. And I think that again, as you grow, you start to heal from, from some of the lack or the wounds and you start to then go, okay, how can I give that back then? So these girls get all of my attention, all of my time, all of my love. Like I pour so much into that because I know that that's a big missing piece. And not only that, but I can also teach parents, you know, I know we're all so busy and our schedules are packed and there's just no time. And I'll say, I know you feel there's no time, but we need to have intentional time. We need to carve it out, even if it's just a few minutes, but it's not, how was your day? That is not a helpful question. It's how are you doing? Like, how are you, how are you feeling? What are you proud of? What are you excited for? Or this is what I notice in you. And it's really that quality attention because girls are seeking. We know they're seeking and they're seeking on their phones. They're seeking online. But what they really want, I have yet to meet a girl who doesn't say, I just want more time with my parents. I just mm-hmm. want more conversation. So I think I was able to, to really use that pain and it has become a deep passion, like I said, and purpose. Like I know with every, every cell in my body, that it's all about relationship. Right. And um, yeah, again, they're looking and longing for it and why not? I can give it to them and I can also coach parents on how to give it to them and mm-hmm. start building. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So one of the things that I actually talked about in a previous uh, episode with one of our friends, um, Shelby from Gracie's Gals, the owner of Gracie's Gals, was that uh, different girls deal with different things. So as somebody who runs a great organization who's written books uh, to help girls and to help their parents, how do you address things like intersectionality? Because um, one girl who comes from a different socioeconomic background may be dealing with something completely different Mm -hmm. than another girl that comes from a Mm -hmm. totally different socioeconomic background. So how are you addressing those things when you're uh, dealing with your clients or trying to help these girls? Oh, that is a great question. I think that I try to be as objective with, with every student and, and really come to them with this openness of getting to know their story. So I know I have a story and I know I'm going to ask certain questions based on my experiences, but I try to flip it and try to be really open, open-minded, open-hearted. Every single girl has a very unique story. And my job is not to tell her mine so much is to get to know hers. And so I call it girls, girls in context, or in my first book, I called it the whole girl ideology, but we really want to try to ask as many questions as possible and let them speak. 
So what is that like for you? Every girl is so different, whether it comes, we're talking about socioeconomic background or education or even just her own beliefs about herself. And I think that our job is to wonder and to ask. Like, I feel like I'm, I have become an excellent question asker because the more we ask and the more comfortable they start to feel telling us things, the more we get to know. So I'm not imposing, this is what I want to do today. I'm really drawing out and trying to get the best of her. And, and really, it's, it's not so much about me getting to know her, although I enjoy that and that's important in relational building. It's about her getting to know herself. That's why I am this way. That makes sense to me. Like I really want that deeper level of understanding because then they feel more confident. I know myself and I know why I do the things I do. I know why that makes sense. Why we'd be feeling mm -hmm. this way. So I feel like that's really probably the best definition of empowerment. Know yourself. When you know yourself, you can be yourself. Right. And you start to grow from that foundation. Yeah, that's amazing. And so, um, Again, why did you, you talked a little bit about your entrepreneurial uh, journey, but why did you decide to become a full-time entrepreneur as opposed to maybe finding another job and then starting a business? Um, and, and what was that experience and thought process like? That's interesting. I didn't even think of doing it half-time. I mean, I did have one client at the time that I was working my, my nine to five, but I think that <laughs> that's how bad it was. I had had enough and I just thought, you know what? You know, this might sound weird. I do these weird things, but I decided to save $10,000. That took me a while. $10,000 in the bank to create a safety net. And I thought, then I thought, worst case scenario, I would have about three to four months of no work and I would just live off my savings. And that wouldn't be the worst thing either because I was very stressed out and I knew I knew I needed a break. So I was like, okay, that's the worst case scenario. I have the money. I get the break. I'll think of something. And then at the same time, I decided, but if I do this, if I take the leap and go full-time entrepreneurship, I want to go all in. I don't want to divide my time because that doesn't work for me. I think a lot of people can do that. They can have two jobs or I just, I, I knew that wasn't, so I think I probably felt this one too. I'm like, you know what, what would that be like? If I was 100% in, I hustled every single day, didn't let up. What would that be like? And it's interesting because I did need the break. I knew that. But it just didn't play out that way. And once I left the job, I had so much energy, I can't even tell you. And that all got infused into this job. And then once you get a client that you get excited, you get, you know, you have more ideas. It starts this yeah. momentum and then I couldn't let up. So, I mean, it might have failed. Many people told me, you know, businesses usually fail and thought that, well, that's not helpful. So I, <laughs> I didn't talk to those people. I talked to the ones that said, that's amazing. Go for it. And I just decided all in was the way. And I'm so glad because I think when we divide our attention, we divide the results or the, um, the outcome. So that worked for me. Yeah, that's a great response. Great way to look at it. Thank you. Um, so right now, social media is a pretty big deal for anybody that wants to run a business. I think especially if you're looking to target a particular uh, group mm -hmm. of people, specifically Gen Zers or even younger, they everything they do is technology-based. So social media plays a large part in how they... Uh, validate businesses, how they validate anything, to be honest. So 
Um, and I think sometimes social media also creates the perception of entrepreneurship that um, is false. <laughs> right, so how right. would you say, what What would you say um, are a few things social media doesn't tell us about entrepreneurship? Yes, social media has this way of glamorizing and um, really putting looking at people's best day, best foot forward. You know, you'll have someone say, I created a six figure business and I have this many followers. And you think, wow, that's amazing. Like, but that didn't happen in a day. So I think what they don't tell you about, and which I should probably talk more about is the really tough days. Like I remember at the beginning crying a lot because I was either afraid, where would I get all the clients? Or what if I lose a client, then what? Or I was um, disappointed, things that didn't work, didn't go my way, or I was incredibly stressed out. Like I love being an entrepreneur because it's all about me. It's all like my creativity, my imagination, my hustle, everything depends on my to-do list every day. So I work hard, this is what happens, right? I make it happen. I think that's incredibly powerful. But the flip of the same coin is that's all on me. If I don't work, if I don't show up for these girls, if I make mistakes, I say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, that's on me. I'm fully accountable for this business. And I think that's a privilege and it's also incredible pressure. So I think that they don't tell you about the the tough stuff, the dark days, the self-doubt. Oh my gosh, almost every day I think, should I be doing this? And then a girl will tell me, Lindsay, you're amazing. I'm so glad you do it. And that's all I need, right? Mm-hmm. But this is like a daily up and down. This isn't a, no, now I'm good. That first year was hard. But this is, I'm looking at year seven and I still have the ups and downs. So I, I would appreciate it if there was more honesty on social media. And they talked <laughs> right. a little bit about the mistakes and the failures. You know, nine out of the 10 ideas I have fail. They flop. But the one idea that works is a pretty good idea. So you keep trying, right? But they don't tell you about the nine mistakes or the flops or the nine ideas that, you know, fizzled because no one was really interested. But I know you just keep trying and, you know, you just keep um, reinventing or reimagining. But yeah, nobody talks about that stuff. Yeah, ever. Ever. Just always painting this like frilly picture. But it is, and those are the important moments, right? Like when you watch documentaries about some of the entrepreneurial geniuses or some of the amazing creators out there, um, the best part of their journeys are always the moments in which they failed, but were still willing to push through, which ultimately like turns on some type of a switch and creates yeah. the things that we love to see and love to use. Right. That's right. It's like those darkest days become the best idea. Right. So exactly. I know that it's just, that's not always easy because you do, I go very quickly to that place of, you know, uh, clearly Lindsay, you're not good enough. And that goes mm-hmm. way back to the beginning, right? Where I just, I had that constant feeling of never good enough. So I think we have to, I have to really watch my thoughts and that belief system. It's not true. And I can also prove that I'm more than, more than enough and, and doing a great job, but on a bad day, your brain tends to go uh, negative. I'll say dark, yeah. dark, dark and twisty. I call it dark and twisty. Yeah. So I actually recently watched a documentary on Netflix. I think it, She Takes the House, maybe that's what it was called. It was about um, four women who were running for uh, Congress in their particular states in the United States, including Alexandria 
Ocasio-Cortez. I think I said her name right. AOC. She's a really popular uh, congresswoman right now um, out of New York, and she has come to, like, shake things. Um, she took down some guy who had been um, part of Congress for, like, the last 14 years. And as they were kind of doing this documentary and, like, going over her life, um, they just talked about her and her childhood and how she'd kind of always been this, like, super bold, super confident girl. Right. And I see how in kind of always having that attitude or that like belief in herself it manifested itself in adult years yeah and then 100%. there are women who yeah there are women who that's not necessarily the case for them so you've kind of touched on being a child who maybe didn't feel as confident or wasn't as bold and then kind of learning about yourself in adulthood mm-hmm. um but i think sometimes it's easy to kind of slip back into um the familiar so how would you encourage as as you're working towards building strong bold girls they're eventually going to become adults and we live in a world right now that even if you want to be a very bold woman mm-hmm. the world is telling you to sit down and shut up or mm-hmm. this space is not for you so what are some things that we can do as women uh to practice kind of allowing ourselves not to go back to those spaces once we've gained boldness and confidence and belief in ourselves how do we kind of sustain and maintain um those beliefs Yeah, I think um, it really is a function of the time you put into personal work and personal growth. So I know for me, a practice that's really helpful is just morning journaling, like morning, like uh, very early morning. I don't know what what it is. My brain must be on and I just get it all out. After a good sleep, it's just I just want to write down like, how am I feeling? What am I thinking about? Uh, what was like, what was yesterday? Like, what did I learn from yesterday? How am I going to move forward in a healthy way? I really play around with um, what's going on inside of me in as many ways as possible. And I think then it's almost like, well, I sort it out. I get that clear mind and I get set for the day. And to me, then it extends into development. Like, what am I going to work on? Even if it's just 15 minutes a day, I, if I don't feel like doing my day or doing activities, I, I try to look at it like really small steps, right? So I might read a little bit. I might listen to a TED talk. I might listen or watch a documentary. I'm definitely going to go for a run. I'm going to maybe create something, do some writing. Like I really try to grow myself because I think that builds the skill and the competency and then confidence is usually the extension of that work right Mm -hmm. and I just think that I mean maybe it all comes down to to time and work like I just I'm always working and I think also the way what I tell girls is when I do that every morning and I'm pretty disciplined with that when I sort out my feelings and my thoughts and I grow myself then when I have sessions with them I have so much to offer them and so I think then girls can look at that and maybe emulate when they work on themselves and they feel secure. I'm not sure if they're necessarily going to then be jealous of other girls, or mm. put other girls down because they're feeling good. There's no need. Right. And I think that's not what we have. We have a lot of girls spending time on social media and comparing and competing and judging and being jealous, but it's because they're not feeling secure. It's because they're missing something in themselves. So really trying to, I guess, grow myself and be that example so then I can help girls show up for girls and then help them grow themselves. You know, the confident girls I have that are, they have things going on. They're baking or they're, mm-hmm. um, they're learning to cook or they're really focused on school or sports or designing and developing their own companies. They just don't have time for that drama. 
and I'm so happy because they feel good. What, why would they need to gossip about another girl? Why would they need to say, oh, she's doing that and I'm only doing this? They don't talk that way. So I think it's really about personal growth. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, the future sounds so bright with you in it, helping these young girls <laughs> do amazing things. Thank you. I hope so. Yeah, Lindsay. So is there anything cool coming up for Bold New Girls or for yourself that you would be uh, interested in sharing with us? You don't have to share anything top secret, but if there's anything cool that you can tell us about in terms of programming or things that you're doing, we'd love to hear. Yeah, I think, like I said, in when I'm given time, the gift of time, um, which is the season we're in right now, I do... I do come up with some some creative ideas. And so what happened in the last couple of weeks, this was this is, didn't just happen. It was percolating, but I think that I just didn't have time to give it all the attention it needed. I decided to update my website a little bit. That needed work. And then I decided to create a shop because I thought that would be really great to have an online shop where people can buy my books. And each of the books has a, a workbook, like a program for the girl herself. So it's really colorful and again, really practical. And then I, you know, started to get really crazy with some, some promotional boxes, which really are uh, for parents and their kids. So it'll, it'll be a copy of my book for parents and then the program and some treats for the girls. And then I kept going with some products and I thought, wouldn't that be fun to have like a bold new girl's bracelet as that reminder that she's strong and capable and a bold new girl's journal. And now of course the floodgates are open. So I'm just going to keep creating every day, but I think the shop was pretty exciting and that's, that's getting a lot of my attention these days. That's awesome. And I think, um, even just touching on that, like now is as good a time as ever, um, if you're up for it and you're feeling like you have the energy to do so to kind of expand your vision when you do have a little bit more time on our hands now that we're all stuck indoors. Yeah, I'm trying. I mean, I'm trying to look at summer and then into the fall. But mm-hmm. what I like, and this, again, is a surprise, I think, to people because I'm shyer and quieter and introverted, introverted by, by nature, I think. But I'm also I can be very social and extroverted. I really do love speaking. I really do love um, gathering people in a room and just getting excited about my ideas. And I think as you grow and and you become more of an expert, let's say, or an eternal learner, I'd actually like to say instead, you just realize how, how much people value that, that the ideas or the insights or the wisdom. And I think now as I get older, I can think, oh, right. You have a daughter for the first time. So this is all new. I've done this a thousand times. So let me help you. Let me share what I see because I realize maybe I can say how little they know, but it makes sense because they've never done it before. And then I get to step up and say, I've done this so much. It's like, I don't want to say simple for me, but I got this. Like, let me like lean into me. I got you and I can help them. And that to me is like, oh my gosh. I can want to cry just thinking about it. It's like, that's, that's valued. And that to me is like this full circle, like finally, Lindsay, all of the work you've done, all of the pain, all of the, all the time you've put into this, that leap you took way back then, leaving your secure job to do something very insecure. That was worth it. It's worth it now. Like I get it. And I think that is probably for me, the definition of happiness. Like I got it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, 
Lindsay, we've reached the end of our episode today, but thank you. Wow. Thank you so much. Like I said before, the future legitimately seems so much brighter. If girls are going to be able to have somebody like you involved in their lives to help kind of empower and build and, and strengthen them, then it's only up from here. Um, if people are interested in getting their daughters part of your programs or um, even interested in reaching out to help uh, in terms of like parenting or interacting a little bit better with their, their young girls or their teenagers, uh, what's the best way to contact you and learn a little bit more about Bold New Girls? My website, lindsayfeely.com. So everything's okay. on there. It's, uh, it's pretty fun and colorful and simple. Awesome. Any social media uh, handles that you'd like for us to follow you on? or My favorite is Instagram. So at Bold New Girls would be the best. Thank awesome. You. All right. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for joining us today. Again, learned so much, feeling just so um, hopeful about I guess, what's out there for girls. And again, hopeful for the types of women that the rest of us are growing into, knowing that there are resources out here like this and people like you who are just looking to build the future so thank you so much for joining us thanks for having me all right you enjoy the rest of your day yeah you too thank you